Center Church. We are the Menahem. If this is your first time here, be sure to pick up a welcome bag at the connection site or the welcome and information desk. I hope everyone will put their name on the friendship card that is in their bulletin. If you would like to receive the church newsletter or need to update any information, be sure to fill out your address and phone number. On the back, you can write prayer concerns, blessings, or notes to the staff. Please enjoy the service and have a good day. Good morning. Good morning. morning. That's a little better. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It's okay. Take your time. (laughs) We can wait. This is the day, this is the day, that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice, let us rejoice, and be glad in it, and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. pray together. Dear God in heaven, we pray that you will pour your Holy Spirit into our lives this morning. Help us to discern what you want us to discern. Help us to experience what you want us to experience. Help us to be yours today. Bless us with your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to invite you, if you're able, to stand as we're going to sing together wonderful words of life. Wonderful words of life. 
sweetly echo the gospel call, wonderful words of life, offer pardon and peace to all, wonderful words of life, Jesus only Savior, sanctify forever with beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of be with you. Please be seated. Hi, my name is Sean, and I wanted to take a moment to speak with you today about our children's and adult Bible studies here at Pendleton Center. These studies are a great opportunity for you and your children to further your understanding of the Word of God, and also a great opportunity for fellowship with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. I love Sunday school because I learned this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I like Sunday school because I learned this. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. encourage you to come at 10:15 on Sunday morning to have a cup of coffee and experience this enjoyable furthering of your faith. Thank you and enjoy the service. Good morning. I know there are a bunch of uh, clipboards going around. Some of them are about the fish fries. First fish fry is coming up this week. This week is also Ash Wednesday, and we have a special service for Ash Wednesday that's going to be um, happening. We do communion in the traditional, old-style Methodist way at the rail, and it's a really wonderful um, experience. But prior to that, on Tuesday, there is Shrove Tuesday, and Shrove Tuesday is a time of celebration and anticipation of the, um, the fasting time that is Lent that's ushered in on Ash Wednesday. So if you want to come out, they're having a pancake supper, and um, it's going to be it's going to be a wonderful time, wonderful time of fellowship and and praise. And um, I'd love to know what else you have to be thankful for this day. Oh, come on, you gotta be thankful for something. Yes, Melissa. Wonderful, wonderful. Melissa's dog is improving in health. This is a wonderful thing. Yes. Nancy's mom is 75, and she is well. She's doing much better, yes? She's hanging in there. Amen. She's made it. She's made it. All right. Others, yes? Amen. Amen. Answers to prayer and all kinds of healing. Yes? 
Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Yes. Wonderful. Amen. Prayers for healing for your son are being answered. Amen. What a blessing. Other, other praises. Well, I know that you are blessed by God. I know you're aware of your blessings. During this time when we are singing, when we are in praise to God, giving our gifts, tithes, and offerings, it's a special time in the service when we can just take time to call to our minds all the blessings that God has granted us in the past week and all that God has done for us in our lives. Let's bring our gifts, tithes, and offerings as we worship the Lord. just words with wings even if you don't say a thing before the words flow God already knows everything that you need cry out in your trouble he'll ease your distress he'll calm every storm and help you find So pray in the Spirit and your words will have wings. Spend time with the Lord each day. Fill your heart with the words He'd say. Reflect on a verse and your mind will rehearse. He's the life and the truth and the way. Cry out in your trouble, He'll ease your distress. He'll calm every storm and help you find rest. Words carry power, His peace He will bring. So pray in the Spirit and your words will have wings. So pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, and your words will have wings.
Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks and praise for this day. We thank you that we may gather together and worship you in spirit and in truth, that we may set aside those things of the world to come and gather in your presence together as your people. Lord, we ask that you would bless this offering that we bring to you. It's just a small portion of all that you have abundantly blessed us with. But we ask, Lord, that it may be used for the furtherance of your kingdom, that you would give us wisdom, Lord God, to be effective as we offer our lives to you, as you bless all of our gifts and help us to use them in ministry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I know we do have a couple of concerns that I'm aware of that we want to make sure we bring up. Um, Chris King and Ernie Rose are both recovering from surgery. We want to keep them and their families in our prayers. Dave Johnson is slowly improving and getting better. Ed Simpson has health concerns that we want to lift him up um, and, and his uh, family as well. And Ellie Drake is just home from the hospital, and we're blessed that um, she is continuing in moving forward in her healing. Um, are there other concerns that you want to bring to us today? Melissa? That's right. Melissa's, Melissa's Aunt Wanda passed away, and we want to pray for Melissa's family and, and her uncle and all of the folks who are, who are grieving that loss. Other concerns? Yes, Carol. Hmm. Okay. Yes. Okay, for Tricia, who is in need of healing, in need of a, a touch from God. Who, what else? Yes. Who did? You did. I'm fine. Doug's fine. <laughs> but, but, but Ed still wants to pray for him. Yes. So we're going to pray for him. Awesome. Awesome. This is the body of Christ taking care of each other, right? Yes. Amen. That's what we're supposed to do. Amen. All right, so we're going to pray. Yes, we're going to thank pray you. for you, and thank you for bringing that up. Yes, Judy. Hmm. Okay, so for addictions, for these four particular people, and open wounds that need to be healed. Thank you. We're going to continue to pray for those. Yes, Kathy. Oh, my goodness. Okay, pneumonia and a possible heart attack down in Florida. This is your sister. Yes? We want to lift her up and, and pray for her healing. Other concerns? Yes. Okay, and so another death in, 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 a, in a family that's very close to you, and we want to make sure that those folks are receiving the comfort they need from God. Kim and Dor okay, thank you. Yes. Your teacher's brother-in-law. Okay, and, and so had passed away unexpectedly, and so your teacher has been in and out of school and, of course, dealing with this grieving process and all of those things. And all of your class, you and all of your classmates need prayer, too, so that you can keep on 
while, while your teacher's going through this. You keep them in your prayers, and we will too, okay? All right. Other concerns? All right. I know there are concerns that have gone unspoken. God knows what we need before we even ask. Amen? And yet God invites us to prayer, so I invite you to pray with me, either at the rail or from your seats. <clears throat> Gracious Heavenly Father, you know everything and you have your hand on everything. You watch over all of us and when we pray, you hear and you answer. Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name for all of those who are sick and infirm, who are needing a healing touch from you. We ask that you would make them whole from the tops of their heads to the soles of their feet. Touch them, Lord, in their spirits, their souls, and their bodies. In whatever way you know is the most crucial, bring together all of those things, Lord God, bringing them to healing and wholeness in you. We pray, Lord God, for those who are grieving losses. How hard it is, Lord God, to feel the emptiness where one once was and now is not at least as far as we can see and hear and touch. But we know, Lord God, that we have the hope of eternal life in you. We have the hope of salvation, and we can hope in you for our loved ones, for ourselves. We pray for comfort, Lord God, and peace. We pray that at this time you would especially draw those folks nearer to you, that they would know you, your great love and mercy. Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name for all those who do not know you, for all those who take religion and make that their God, who think that there is a, a certain way that they have to do things or a way that they, a uh, set of rules they have to follow and that that's all there is. Lord, we know you have shown us that our salvation is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know that you have told us that we are to share that message everywhere we go. And so, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you would help us, give us boldness to share the truth of your love and your grace and your mercy wherever we go. Help us to show people how much you love them. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name for all unrest everywhere, for conflict between people, that it would be at rest and that there would be peace, for conflict among groups, among nations, that, Lord, you would come in that they would be drawn to you and that they would know the way of peace, the way of unity that you have called the world to. It can only be found in your spirit, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name that your people continue to hear your voice and share your love and that those who don't recognize your voice yet will come to do that. 
nothing we can do to change their hearts, Lord, but you can change their hearts. We just ask in Jesus' name that you touch them. Now, Lord, as we continue in singing songs of praise, as we continue in worship, as we continue hearing your word, we just ask that you would let it wash over us and transform us, make us into people who are just a little bit more like Jesus than we were last time we were here. Just a little more like Jesus than the last time we prayed. Just a little more like Jesus than the last time we looked into your holy word. Just a little more like Jesus than the last time we touched someone with kindness and love. Help us, Lord. Transform us. Be with Pastor Tom as he delivers the message you've given to him for us today. And let it be a blessing to him and to us. And make all our worship to be a blessing to you. Let us glorify your name. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we hear from the word of the Lord? Anna Sophia, Matthew 5, 17 through 20. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the pro or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teach teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Anna. This morning, we're continuing a sermon series on what we feel are some of the essential things the church needs to be. What are some of the things that we as a church here in Pendleton feel are essential to our faith? And I want to talk to you today about this book. There are many ways we come to understand God. There's many things that can help us to learn the truth about God. But in the United Methodist Church and in our church and in most Christian churches, this book is the most important. And we're going to talk about that today. Now in verse 20, it says that unless your righteousness is greater than the Pharisees, you won't enter the kingdom of God. But of course, not everybody knows what a Pharisee is because we don't really talk about Pharisees much in our common world today. A Pharisee in Jesus' day was a person who tried their best to live as much as possible and keeping the laws of God. In fact, so much so that they would make up laws that would keep them from getting even close to breaking the law. So they would have laws 
to prevent them from getting near the problem that they needed to do. So sometimes it looked like they were making up laws that weren't really laws because they weren't what God said. Like when Eve said, don't even touch the tree, even though God said, don't eat the fruit. But she figured if she didn't touch it, she wouldn't eat the fruit, right? So that's, that's the idea. So what I want you to do is I want you to think for just a moment, who is the person in your life that you think is the closest to God? I mean, the person who you would consider the most moral, the most holy person you've ever known. Got them in your mind? For me, it's my grandma. Grandma was just, she was a holy woman. At least that's the way I always saw her. Well, it says in here, unless you're better than that person, better than my grandma, you won't enter the kingdom of God. That, that worries me. <laughs> that really worries me. And then on top of that, it goes on to say uh, these things about murder and adultery. In one place it says, if, if, if you've heard, don't kill anyone. But I say if you get angry with somebody, it's the same as killing them. Really? Anybody here who hasn't gotten angry? If you look at somebody with lust or passion in your eyes, it's the same as committing adultery. Seriously? And then it ends this chapter by saying, you need to be as perfect as God is perfect. Oh my gosh. In chapter 7 of Romans, Paul expresses what we feel. I find this, work, this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? we got an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other, right? And they're both whispering in our ears. And sometimes we mess up, so we can't be that perfect. Unless you are righteous. As God. You won't enter the kingdom of God. You see, it says that in here that, that all of the law and the prophets are fulfilled in Jesus. You see... The Old Testament faith was a lot like the cup. It, it had all the elements of salvation, but it was empty of the compassion and grace that Christ brings. So what Jesus did was he filled it up. See? Oh, that's good. And so what grace does is grace fills out our lives. And, and until we understand grace, we can't even talk about this book. I know I said I'm going to preach about the Bible, but first I have to preach from the Bible. Jesus came to fill up the meaning of our faith. In verse 19, it says that, that if you do something wrong, basically, you will be considered the least in the kingdom of heaven. But did you catch that? But you will be in the kingdom of heaven. I don't know if anybody else caught that, because I caught that, and it was like, oh, all right. Because I'm not so worried about being the least or the greatest. I just want to be there, amen? Okay, so it says I can even get in, even if I mess up, because I do mess up. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And some of those sins are, 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 are really difficult things. You know, when I get tired, I find I mess up more 
Anybody else have that problem? I'll say something that I shouldn't say. I'll do something I shouldn't do. And oftentimes, it will hurt somebody that I love dearly. I don't know how many of you have that problem, but, but I do. It's not what I want to do, but, but somehow it happens. And the interesting part is that because they see beyond the moment of what I've done, because they see beyond that action to somebody that I'm in relationship with, they forgive me. They forgive me. Forgiveness, you see, requires relationship. It requires you to know the other person, because if you don't know the other person, it's really just an intellectual thought. But the real power of forgiveness is that something really terribly hurtful has happened, and that person says, forget it. Forget about it. It doesn't matter. So the first thing we need to do is we need to make sure that we know God. We need to accept God as part of our lives. We have to pray that God will come into our lives and into our hearts because that's when this book comes to life. Do you see? Maybe you've been thinking about God as some intellectual thing or maybe you've been trying to understand what is this religion thing people are all excited about or, or why are there people that, that commit their lives to God? It's not because of the book. It's because of the living God within our hearts and our lives. Amen? So today I'm going to take just a moment and, and, and I'm going to give you an opportunity, if you haven't, to make that decision right now, right here. So let's pray. Dear God in heaven, I want you in my life. I want to know you. I want to feel you. I want to experience you. I want to be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, some people would say that's just too simple, but that's not understanding the power of God. You see, it doesn't depend on you. All you're doing is saying, God, do your thing. God, do your thing in my life, in my world. We don't do that all the time in church because we assume that a lot of the people coming to church have already done that, but sometimes we need to do that, and sometimes we need to do that again because otherwise this is just an old book. It's a bunch of old laws, and that bothers people because the people that don't know God have no real interest in this book. You see, there are a few people that will come to know God if they read the Bible. Every once in a while, I'll read about somebody who didn't believe in God and didn't have God in their lives, and they read the Bible, and they chose God. But I would suggest to you that more people are like I am. I didn't care about the Bible until I knew God. So I came to appreciate the Bible after I started experiencing God. So that's why it's essential that we do that first. But the reason we come to the Bible after we come to faith is so that we can please God. So that we can, we can make God happy. I don't do things to please my wife because I'm afraid I'll get in trouble. It's Valentine's Day this Wednesday. Just reminding you, okay? Because sometimes I forget this stuff, okay? I, I, don't, I, don't, 
I don't do things to make my wife happy or avoid things that hurt her simply because I think, well, she's my wife and I'm married to her, so I got to, right? I do it because she loves me and I want to show my love in return. And that's what we do with God. You see, the, the, the first step in coming to the Bible is a hard thing. Jeremiah said, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I'll put my law in their minds and write it in their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. See, ultimately, there's only two laws. If you want to fulfill all the laws and all the rules and everything written in the Bible, there's two laws you need to keep. Jesus told us that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the laws. But how do we do that? How do we make that happen? How do we create that loving situation? Well, the best way to love someone is to get to know them, is to spend time with them, is to understand who they are and what their story is. I have a story with my wife. We have gone through a history together. We have spent over 40 years together. She knows things about my life nobody knows about my life. She remembers things no one else remembers. I remember things no one else remembers. Tomorrow her sister will have died for 30 years. 30 years. That doesn't mean anything to hardly anybody on the face of the earth anymore. But it means everything to her tomorrow. You see, I know her story. I remember it. And so I can do what will make her happy. With God, we need to know who God is and God's story. And that's why we turn to the book. We call it sanctification which is trying to please God by living to what God wants in this world. And the Bible helps us to know God and know about God. In fact, the Bible is his story. You get that? His story. That's what drew the world together, was his story. That's what caused us as a nation to be one nation, is that we had his story above all other stories. That's what causes people to fall apart. And we have all these different stories. So we come to know his story, and the Bible, the church, has recognized, which is the body of Christ, as the word of God. Second Timothy says to us, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. God-breathed or inspired, inspirited. It is, it is empowered with and by God. God. Now, it was written by people, and sometimes we see people and, and their writing in there, and we, we can feel their personalities in the Bible, but they were inspired by God. God was behind what they were writing, and as they tried to take their human minds and put down the ideas of God, we got the Bible. Now, the truth is, it took 5,000 years to write this book. 5,000 years to write this book. From the first story that we read in Genesis to the last stories we read in the, in the Bible, it took 5,000 years to just create this. What it is, is it's a record of people trying to understand God in their lives and in their circumstances throughout the history of 5,000 years. And, and we look at it 
as an opportunity uh, in many places, many ways, by different people for us to understand our faith. The Bible isn't the only good book about God. There's lots of good books about God. I would recommend you read a lot of good books about God. There's a reason why we choose this book as the book. And that's because there was a time when the whole church got together and decided what should be in it. It was in 397 that year. They met in Carthage. And and it was called a council. And all the people from all the churches in the whole world got together and said, this is the book. These are the ones we're going to keep. These are the ones we're not. So the whole church believed in it and All Christians everywhere who are descended from that believe in it as well. We accept it. We consider it to be the authority of God. We took out the parts that we didn't feel were helpful to us and we left in the ones we thought were the best for us. And actually there were no revisions in the Bible to speak of until the Reformation. Anybody know what the Reformation is? You studied about that in sixth grade, I think it was. Well, it depends what, you know, what school you went to. That's when, when our Western church, the Roman Catholic, and some of the Protestant communions separated. And at that time, there were some things that changed. We started to write the Bible in English. And some Christian churches, following the lead of the reformer Martin Luther, decided that there was a little group of books that we call the Apocrypha that were part of the Old Testament that weren't that important to their faith, and so they took them out. Which is why most Bibles that are produced by Protestants don't have the Apocrypha. I have to tell you, as Methodists, we think the Apocrypha are still sacred books. We consider them Scripture. We just don't use them very much because most of the Bibles we use don't have them in there. But there's nothing wrong with them. They're not bad books. They're not evil or wrong or anything like that. But the Bible, other than that, has remained the same for over 1,500 years. Now, something else happened in the Reformation. The Bible went from being in the hands of the priests to being in the hands of the people. And two things happened. There, there, was, there was kind of a separation of the church. But even more important, a man named Gutenberg invented something. Anybody know what it was? The printing press. And you know what the first book was that he published? The Bible. The Bible used to be chained to the pulpit of the church. And the only ones who could read it were, were, were priests and rich people. Why rich people? Because it would cost, in the equivalent of today's money, $50,000 to buy a Bible. So you can imagine how many people actually had one. Not a whole lot at that price, right? So what happened was Gutenberg changed that price to mere dollars. So that everybody could have a Bible. And so that all the people could read the Bible because God didn't intend for just a few select people to read the book. He wanted all of us to read it so we would all understand God better. And in fact, if you don't have a Bible, there's some out in the front entrance way. Just take one. That's our gift to you. We'd be glad to have you have a Bible. There's lots of good Bibles, so it's lots of ways we can understand it. I could talk about the Bible for weeks and weeks. But the, the thing I want to make clear today is that the Bible exists so that we don't get confused, 
so that we don't misunderstand and so that together we can come to understand the faith. Because even the best meaning, the well-intentioned people in the world can mess up. I mean, it didn't even happen in the Hundred Acre Woods. Pooh was puzzled by the note, even more so than usual. And even more than that. So Pooh decided to go directly to Owl's house, hoping that Owl could help unpuzzle him. You'll get the honey and joy. Hooray, good job! Thank you, thank you. Yes, it is quite clever, isn't it? T-A-E-L. Yes, perfect. Well, hello there, Owl. That is a very fine-looking pot of honey you've got there. And so remarkably gooey. Gooey? Oh, that happens to be my personal favorite. Ooh, what do you have there, my boy? Oh, a note I found at Christopher Robbins with strange words I cannot read. Um, but, Pooh, uh, you can't read most words. Yes, but especially not the strange ones. Let me see. There's never been a note written that I could not decipher. Here, Pooh, help yourself. Yes, parchment mm-hmm. of fine quality. Oh, stuff and fluff. Impressive. Don't leave us in suspense, Owl. What does it say? Patience, patience. One must be careful when decoding such arcane text so as not to incorrectly interpret its true meaning. So, can you read it? Of course I can. It says, gone out, busy Baxson, signed Christopher Robin. <gasps> Our dear friend Christopher Robin has been captured. What? By a creature called the Baxon. Oh, yeah. Baxon! Captured by the Baxon! What's a Baxon? Oh, a horrible creature. Malicious. You don't say. Ferocious. And worst of all, terribly busy. And Al is the most intelligent creature in the room. He made a mistake. And we can all make a mistake as we're trying to understand, especially something that was written thousands of years ago in a different place in a different way by different people. So we need to study together and learn together because we can better know about God and what pleases God if we understand the Bible. It tells us that we can understand God as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, another part of the Christian faith. God, the Creator, greater than all the universe, can hold the world in the palm of his hand. Jesus is Son, the Word of God, reaching out to us with the message of God's salvation, and the Holy Spirit, God within us. The Pharisees, you see, only understood God the Father. They understood the idea of rules, and so what they wanted to do was figure out a way to get around the rules, like somebody trying to get around Dad or Mom. You, you know what I'm saying? It's about whether you get caught or not. They didn't understand the grace of God because they didn't understand Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the word of God. In John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is God reaching out to us. The fulfillment, the fulfillment of everything that came before is wrapped up in Jesus. But we also need to understand God, the Holy Spirit, which is God within us. God who has been given to us so that we can know and understand and completely experience God. In John chapter 14, it says, 
If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Help us to understand. So some people would say, but then if we have the Holy Spirit in us, we don't really need the Bible. All we got to do is pray, and it is good to pray, and it is good to seek out God. But the problem is, is sometimes we just can't hear the Word of God because there's, there's so much help going on that Right? You see, we have so many voices and, and, and so many things coming at us from everywhere. Sometimes it's our own selfish ideas. Sometimes it's Satan whispering in our ears. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it says to us, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So we need something, something more solid, something we can all look at, something that doesn't feel as subjective as our experience of the Holy Spirit that we can turn to. And the Bible helps us to understand, to understand how God is speaking to us, speaking to us through the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God. Laws and rules, they guide us for the age we live in. And that's important because it was written over 5,000 years and, and what made sense in one context may not make sense in another. You know, in our illustrious state of New York, it says that a man can be fined $25 for flirting. And specifically for looking at a, turning around and looking at a woman in that way. Whatever that means. That New Yorkers cannot dissolve a marriage for irreconcilable differences unless both parties agree. Did you hear that? <laughs> that you're not supposed to wear slippers after 10 p.m., it's illegal, and a person cannot walk around on Sundays with an ice cream cone in their pocket. <laughs> it's illegal to greet somebody this way, because I have no idea what that means anyways. So here we are with old rules that don't make sense, and sometimes we have rules even in this book that have changed our over our lives. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish or demolish, is the actual word, demolish the scripture, but to fulfill it, which means to bring it to life in the context where it makes sense. So in one part of the Bible, it says that we're not supposed to eat anything that comes from a pig, but I like bacon, and we eat it now as Christians. It says in some parts that women should be silent and not speak up in church, but we have pastors who preach that are women. It says in another part that I'm not supposed to have long hair, but I did. My dad didn't like it, and women were supposed to wear hats. Remember that? Remember the hats? Why are those not eternal truths? Why are those just contextual? Because we don't see them in the whole book. We only see them in a little part, in one little culture, and somewhere else it says just the opposite. Because the Bible does say that we can live differently in devotion to God in different places. And so what was true in one culture and in one time and in one place is not necessarily in eternally true. And the only way we can know that is if we read the whole book. Have you ever had people quote a scripture at you? A scripture doesn't mean hardly anything. You need to know and breathe the whole book, living in it, understanding it, so you can understand what it means, not just in one context and in one place, but what it means throughout history. We enter the kingdom of God by grace. I pray 
that all of you will experience the power of God, the living God in your life, because that's how we enter the kingdom of God. But we live a life to please God. And the Bible helps us to understand both of those. Grace doesn't do away with the laws. It fills them up. And grace leads to repentance, which means we change our lives in such a way that we become pleasing to God. Not an empty glass, not an empty life, but a full life. Jeremiah goes on to say, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law on their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, and then I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Why? Because now you have the opportunity to know God completely. By studying the Bible, by learning the Bible. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we teach about the Bible to our children. Because we want you to have the full opportunity to understand God. And sometimes it can be quite confusing. In a couple weeks on Wednesday night, I'm going to start a Bible study on Revelation. Now there's an interesting book to try and figure out. We study it together so that we can learn from each other. Al wasn't bad. He just didn't understand everything. The Pharisees were actually trying to follow God. He just didn't know the full story. If we live into what God created us to be, if we grow and understand about God, then that experience we have in our lives will become a full-blown promise of God for this life and the life to come. And God wants to fulfill that promise for you. Galatians says to us, is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. The law, the rules, they're important. They're essential. They help us to know how we're supposed to please God. But they fulfill the promise of the grace of God. Without them, they're an empty cup. And God wants us to fill our cups so that we have the full grace of God and can experience the promise and stand on the promise that God has given to us now and for all eternity. That was a clue. That was a hint. Can't sing standing on the promises, sitting on the premises. I'm standing 
standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises that cannot fail, when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of of Christ the Lord, bound to Him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, Those promises are, I love you, I'm here for you, I will guide you, I'll never forsake you, I have died for you, I have risen for you, I am offering you grace. These are words that are not just said, not just written, but they're experienced. They're ancient words written from long ago.
those words. People died to give us the scriptures. People offered themselves up so that we could have it. And so often, we just don't take the time, don't take it seriously. We practice a religion without the living God. We experience God through the scripture. We experience God through worship. But the God that we know is the God that's revealed to us through scripture. And so I invite you to a prayer of confession as we prepare for the table of grace. Lord, I am a sinner. I need your grace. Inspire me with your love. Forgive me of my sins. Guide me. Lead me. Convict me that I may be changed through the words you have given me in your holy word and through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us even though we're still sinners. And that declares God's incredible love for you and for me. So in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. And now as a forgiven body of Christ, let's greet one another with the peace of the Holy Spirit.
Christ invites us to his table to share in his holy presence. It is the presence of God that we need to be in to keep out the distractions of the world, to let us know where we should walk, how we should be as we go through this life. When we come to the table, we are restored to fellowship with God, to fellowship with one another. It's a blessing. Everyone is welcome. If you love God, repent of your sin and seek to live in peace as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are welcome to come to the table. It doesn't matter if you're a member of this church or if you're a member of any church. If you are looking to be in the holy presence of God in a way that you can touch, in a way that you can taste, in a way that you can feel and carry with you wherever you go, you are welcome to come and receive this blessing this morning. God invites you. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Before the mountains were brought forth or you had formed the earth from everlasting to everlasting, you alone are God. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life on the earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ, in whom you have revealed yourself, our light and our salvation. In his baptism and in fellowship at the table with his disciples and others, he took his place with sinners your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread and he gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. 
He gave you thanks and praise and gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Shall we pray together the prayer Jesus taught us? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will those who are serving please come forward?
Another thing that's important to us as Methodists is a table. It's a place where we actually come and experience the living God. We come to the table and we actually take God into our lives. It's God's original altar call, so you're invited, all of you, to come to the table, whoever you are, wherever you might come from, to the rail for prayers, for healing, anointing, to light a candle for God. Come and join us.
and Valentine's Day, they, they reminded me that the children are spelling, selling special treats out there in the fellowship hall. So, you know, you guys who don't think very clear about this stuff can go out and get one. And, or maybe you gals can, you know, anyways, I'm already in trouble. I'm going to invite you to stand as we're going to sing together our closing song this morning, A Word of God Incarnate. Somebody was sharing with me the other day that a co-worker was driving her crazy and that he kept doing the same thing over and over again. I said, well, did you point it out to him? And she said, well, he ought to know. Well, you know, ladies, we can all get into the understanding of why men don't know. But I think God made the Bible for us. If we have the opportunity to know and understand and we don't take advantage of that, then who's the one who's really making the mistake. God has given you a gift. Go and learn it. Go and study it. Go and discover what God wants your life to be. And God will bless you. Go in his peace. Go in his grace. Go in his hope. And may God be with you now and always. Amen. Amen.